0: Tactical Distributors, Unpossible 15, gets you 15% off. Order today, change your life. Oh, Jesus.
1: I got gear, gear questions.
0: Oh, get it. Send it. it.
1: Uh, there's a sling that you created in your mind yeah. and yeah. then brought to the public. Yeah. Um, in 1997, I was two years old.
0: 97 you did a sling? Yeah. Two That's point. how long I've been making it, yeah.
1: But my question about it, too, is that was because I don't know. I mean, like the Vickers sling is similar, like whatever, but it's got the pull tab the like the quick adjustment that we use I think gears is a quick to shoot technology mm-hmm. um, is that one of the earlier like is that one of the first slings to, to on the consumer market to, to use that because I mean now that's what we all use man I don't even know uh,
2: I took a sling that the arms room gave me and modified it to, to work for what I thought I needed yeah I didn't know that like over the years so many guys would ask me to make slings. And then when I retired, uh, it, people were like, are you going to make these and sell them? Like you made me one, I want another one, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, it was just, just about, you know, going, learning how to sew. Kevin was saying earlier. Uh, you paid attention in ranger school. Know, you, know know, this. you know, I know, right? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, and then, um, man, it was just... I learned really quick, you needed a two-point sling to do what you needed to do, but at the same time, there was times where you needed to tighten the gun to your body Mm -hmm. so you could do other things, carry an injured guy, uh, do whatever, carry a ladder, carry heavy items, right? Carry children, whatever, right? And, And your rifle's tight to your body, right? So... I put the attachment point and the adjusting point next to my non-firing hand because I learned super quick. It doesn't matter how long it takes me to tighten the gun to my body because I'm not going to tighten the gun to my body in the firefight. Right. What matters is is when I
1: need to loosen it like,
2: oh, shit, I'm going to die, mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I'm able to get my rifle in front of me. You know what I mean? That's a point that I, I think about when everyone's running these QD sockets and all that stuff like, granted never deployed wasn't in combat but how often did you need to quickly remove your sling ever never right so like i mean we use paracord and the sling devil and everything like that i always i just i never understood the camp of like i need a quick detach sling other than i guess if you're putting it in a safe or whatever that kind of stuff admin type stuff but like people are like no you need to have qd why why do you need to get it off and if you do cut it off like i don't understand i've never understood that idea of qd because it sucks. We all know it sucks. QD yeah. not the best.
2: I always thought QD was to help when I clean my upper from my lower. I thought it was to help disconnect the lower from okay. the upper so it doesn't get twisted when I put it back all together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that is that not what it was for? Is know, there maybe. There's yeah. more to it than I know, that? I, I didn't even know. No, I don't know.
0: I don't know. I mean, for me, I just don't like... I like QD when I got to put them in my gun safe because right. I don't want to sling on my gun in my gun safe because there's a lot of guns and you pull it out, it snags mm. three other guns. They all fall down. Mm.
2: That's why I, I did the rubber band as well, right? Mm. We had um, stow, like a yeah. ranger band. Oh, yeah. yeah, to stow it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, the whole reason I created the sling was it, it's not that I wanted to be a sling manufacturer because right. I do not. You know what I mean? It's just that uh, I had made so many slings for guys over the years. So many guys were still asking me for them. Uh, I started selling them, and then it just kept growing from there. But really, the the only so what to my sling is is the once it's tight to your body, all you gotta do is release it, bring it to your face, and shoot, right? And that's the most important part of any sling. Um, Now, whether it comes off the gun, easy or not, or the attaching points, I think that's all personal preference. And I think that's what the world misses in today's day and age with the internet, is the personal preference, right? Because if I come out and say,
1: this is the hot
2: shit. You must have this. Right. Everything else is irrelevant. It's like, well, it might work for me, but yeah. like, it may not work for you. Who knows?
1: If Grantham says it, it's, Boom. it's Bible. Boom.
2: And I heard he is the son of <laughs> Travis Haley. Haley.
1: Yeah, not the actual son.
2: And with that lineage, how could you be wrong?
1: Right, right. I'm just throwing it out there. He looks like, he looks like <laughs> Travis Haley, but he's not the actual son. That was just the running joke of because they look similar so they're like oh it's Travis I Haley's. heard I
2: heard that joke on the internet and I not knowing better thought it was true for a little while <laughs>
1: well, how am i supposed they to know they look similar you know there, I mean?
2: yeah. like how am i supposed to know like Travis Haley's old enough to have a guy that looks that yeah. age i don't know either one of these guys so <laughs> you know what i mean and i know Travis Haley's been around a while so i figured Oh, man that might be real yeah. like I mean you know like hey you have a kid he may not want to go in the core you know what I mean yeah. he might want to be Air Force because he's smarter than you like that's possible <laughs> you know what I mean like yeah. it is true it's true yeah
0: uh,
2: I, don't know. I don't
0: know well you're you're doing holsters too yeah and leather ones leather interesting old yeah. school back yeah. to your roots yeah well
2: uh, I get all the time like you know leather holster a guy died in Walmart parking lot dry firing while he was waiting for his wife. Yo, uh, the guy had like a fucking five buck Uncle Mike's fucking bullshit. Like, first and foremost, why are you sitting in your car fucking dry firing in Walmart? Yeah. A, uh, why are you sitting down dry firing? B, like, there's about a dozen questions I have right now that don't pertain to leather or Kydex on how we got here. Right. So, and then, um, yeah, I did leather and, and I'll tell you why is when I was in the unit and I was a guy who could go out alone, I could tell the credit card kid, Hey, I need a holster for X. Right. And he could go out today and buy me a hundred holsters. And then I could come back, you know, when we get them all, I go through them all. I'm like, this one, garbage. This one, garbage. This one, garbage. This one, I'll try it. This one, garbage. Right? So I could go through all, however many he buys, and I might end up with like two or three that I try, and only one might be okay. You know what I mean? And then through the years, we we started out, we were wearing leather, And then we went to nylon because we went from leather to nylon because Kydex hadn't happened yet. And that nylon fucking holster, remember that square nylon holster leg rig, the first one that came out, that lost more guns than any single person, that holster alone, right? That's where the lanyard comes from, by the way, if you were around then, but I don't even want to go there yet. So uh, that holster lost guns. So then, like, I don't even know who it was. Maybe it was Safari Land or someone made a plastic-like holster, right? And then these plastic-like holsters come out, right? And, and we start wearing them. So obviously, this starts working for outside the waistband range use. So obviously, this is good enough for everything. So then all the, over time, the trickle-down effect is all the inside the waistband holsters became Kydex too. But the problem is, is... When we would get them thin enough to where we can actually conceal shit where it's not some fucking monster of a holster where, oh, it conceals well, but you'll never get the gun out to save your life in time because this fucking monster holster can't let you get the holster out in time, Um, right? And then the most minimalist holsters we could find of Kydex were actually sewn and the kydex was so thin it was sewn like a leather but the problem is is one time on the o course and that fucker would break right mm-hmm. so what would end up happening is we would have to i ended up having to go get back to the leather and what would happen is when the kydex would break if it would break like while it was on appendix or something the fucking thing would crack and then pinch your fucking dick in the crack (laughs) you know what i mean like like unacceptable in every way like like you just pinched my fucking junk you know what i mean like that just happened um unacceptable so i went back i found a guy to make this for me i went back to leather And then I've been back to leather ever since. And this is such a long time. So when I retired, um, I started teaching classes. What I would do is if I was teaching like, you know, like a special forces guys concealed class, uh, I would have my guy make holsters for everybody. And I just give them to the guys because the best holster you ever got is the one, the guy who built it showed you how to use the best. Mm. So I'd make them, I'd show guys how to use them, and then the guys would be like, "Oh, these are awesome, right? Um, But the reality is, is like, the fucking leather is what should be next to your body, not Kydex, my opinion. And every time I hear the the fucking leather, I'll get you shot and dead in Walmart parking lot. I always ask one question to the Kydex manuf- manufacturer propaganda guys. Oh, Kydex sucks. Okay, so everyone in World War II was wrong.
1: Yeah, or everywhere
2: before that. <laughs> Everybody before now is wrong in history. Even for swords, because that's all leather. Yeah. The reality is, is leather is comfortable. Leather gives a little bit. Leather moves with the body. Your skin gives a little bit, right? Having a fixed object next to your skin never does well. So, leather is just comfortable.
0: You do a Kydex holster, too? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm.
2: I do 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 a Kydex. The Kydex one I make is a deep concealed holster, but that one... That is my Bosnia holster, and when we used to have to go into like the uh, the government buildings in Bosnia, in um, like you know, like the uh, the government buildings in Bosnia, we'd have to go get a like a Serbian war criminal, but he would be a government official, <laughs> <laughs> and he'd be in a government building in Bosnia, and we got to get him right. So what I would do is with. The, what I call the deep concealed holster, and this goes back to an OSS technique is you take a string, you put it uh, behind the button of your pants, you run it down in your pants, and then you take the front of the 1911, the barrel, you put it through the string, and that way it, it keeps the gun lower in the pants, right? Well, what this would do is it would keep the gun below the belt. I'd So i get my shake down A guy would pat me down I'd have my gun below my belt Why? Because it's in my junk You know what I mean? And a dude's not going to touch another dude's junk um, And then we go into the government building, right? And then when I retired I made one of these as a holster as well Oh. So I call it the deep concealed holster But uh, a lot of guys like it Because they like the string Instead of a clip They like to tie it behind the belt buck button Or they like to
1: tie it to a belt loop so it just sits... Uh, I haven't seen that one, so I'll have to look it up. But Yeah. The the best one that I have messed around with within the last couple of years is the Raven concealment little clip that they have because it's the closest you can get to not having a holster but still covering your trigger guard. But, yeah, but I mean, it's in the same position that you would always be. Yeah. So that idea of the deeper concealment is, is cool. Yeah, the,
2: the reason I don't like just the trigger guard clip is because I have had... People on the range that put a gun in a backpack or mm. bag or purse and there'd be a Skittle jammed in the end of the barrel. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this could be bad when the time comes, right? So uh <clears> the <throat> Skittle on the barrel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the third time this week, Kevin. God damn it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I didn't think you'd get me this past Wednesday, but damn, you snuck one more in this week. Uh, oh, yeah. Beverly Hills cot, remember? Banana and <laughs> the tailpipe. Yeah. <laughs> Banana and <in> the tailpipe <laughs> <laughs> trick, right? But Yeah, so uh, I always like to cover the barrel as well, and that, yeah. that's what my deep conceal does. It covers the trigger and the barrel. The next thing I always like you to you ain't cover. trying to get a Skittle in there, Jay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah, and uh, hey, and what if you don't eat Skittles? What if you eat bigger candy? <laughs> right. Like, right. You know <laughs> what I mean? You could be even worse.
1: <laughs> yeah. Makes sense, and... Um, How's that string work? You said it runs. So, yeah. So the, uh, the string goes behind
2: the button of your pants and then you, you figure out, you tie a loop, right? How big you need the loop. And then what that does is once it's behind the button of the pants, it, it, it becomes the height of the holster. Mm. So when you stick the gun and the holster in your pants, it'll ride whatever height of the loop you tied. Mm. Makes sense. So it becomes the ride height.
1: Huh?
2: But the beauty part is, is when you draw the gun, this is the beauty part of like doing a lot of the like limited signature, low vis type stuff back in the day is you draw and the holster would come out of your pants and it'd be on the string just dangling in in front of your pants. When you go to reholster, you just look down, you grab the holster, stick it in and then tuck it. Retuck and yeah, get out of there. I like it. Yeah. I like it.
0: Well, what else you got product wise?
2: Um, yeah, what else do I got? Oh, the puncher, or aka renamed P-Tool because of social media. Uh, it's basically a punch dagger made out of G10. I um, love the G10 stuff. So yeah, cool. yeah. Uh, I did G10 years ago over carbon fiber because years ago I knew carbon fiber, the matting of carbon fiber will ping a metal detector right? And it's the way that carbon fiber is woven. And I believe there's metal woven into it where it'll ping a metal detector. So, um, it's just all, it's a, it's all G 10 G 10 is, um, chemical resistant, right? You can wash it and bleach. It won't hold DNA. You can sand it with sandpaper sharp, a little point on it. And it's just a punch dagger, right? So a lot of times what I do with it is I stick it between my belt and my pants. Right. And, um, you know, if I had to go to a baseball game or something, you know, with a metal detector. Yeah. It's G10.
1: I just walk right through. Are you familiar with uh, the Black Triangle Group mm-hmm. stuff at all? Similar idea. It's just a whole catalog of G10 tools. Mm. Um, and they've got one that's actually, its I think it's their most overlooked tool, but it's a, they did it during COVID. It's a, they call it the touch tool, but you were seeing people open door handles with these long hooks or whatever. Yeah. But you flip it around and you've got a, a hard point at the end. Yeah. Um, just for like a blunt instrument, it's not sharpened yeah. at all, um, and yeah, it passes through. I, we were down in Virginia and I went to the guy's place, and uh, he showed us a bunch of stuff and how they're defeating certain things. Or whatever. it's it's super interesting and it's it's cool. Like you said, we we talked before. Um, I don't even know if we're recording, but if you're in an environment and you want to at least have something on you, yeah, um, that low vis, the yeah, absolutely, because I mean most places at least on the civilian world, you're not getting patted down. You're getting wanted, maybe or passing yeah. through, whatever, but.
2: Yeah, you got to, uh, I mean, look, everyone wants to carry a gun because we're Americans, but like, I'd be happy with having something. Yeah. Something yeah. is better than nothing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Whether that's G10, whether that, I don't give a shit, it's a fucking meat cleaver. Like, if <laughs> I, if that's what I could pick up and I, I felt like I needed it, fucking let's carry this motherfucker right now. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but it's cool that you did that. I mean, it makes sense. The Lovi yeah. stuff, or
2: whatever. All the, all the products I have was all like stuff that I wanted that no one else would make me. You know what I mean? Or stuff that I just right. couldn't buy anywhere. And it, it was. It's probably some of those items that are just so small, niche-wise, that wouldn't really be like, you know, volume for a big business to pick up.
1: Um, outside well, of outside of gear, what are you doing now?
2: Man, uh, what do I do now? So I basically teach uh, classes. Um, I do kind of open enrollment um, classes. I teach law enforcement. I do some military stuff. Uh, But basically I do just video diagnostic stuff. And what does that mean is I videotape you, I watch you shoot, and then I give you Uh, We look at what you do, I give you best practices, right? What uh, what would I call best practices are the few things you need that'll make you better long term, right? Like, one of the things when I started doing the video stuff is... No one has ever looked at shooting based off of video and gone, okay, long term, what is the best second, third, fourth, fifth order effect for any technique we could have for anything we could do, right? So what I did over the years is I just started watching videos and I could have like a brand new housewife who couldn't even hit the target and like one small micro piece of what she does is like, Who taught you that? (laughs) Why you do that like that? (laughs) Who showed you that, right? And she's always like, "Uh, I just figured that was the right thing to do. You know what I mean? So what I would do is I'd make a note of that, like a note to self. This piece was amazing, right? And then over time, I'd see more people doing that piece at different times. I'd ask them where they learned it most of the time. They didn't learn it. it it's just something they figured they should do. Over thousands of videos, what I had was kind of what right looks like you know what i mean and not only what right looks like but second third order effect right like a lot of times everybody talks about this you go through police academy you go through um you know the um i don't know basic training military shooting right you know you will shoot you'll go through this class whether you pass or fail you'll be pretty good and then a month from now two months from now you're gonna lose it all Mm -hmm. right but the reality is is Well, that's only because it's based off of bad training. If you look at the NFL... Right. And the NFL retirement is six years, a six year model to retirement. You want to you know, if I asked you, you know, two or three years in the NFL, if a, a, a guy two or three years in the NFL is better or worse than when he came, of course, he would be better because he has a coach for everything he does. You know what I mean? Well, if he's a fat guy, the coach is like on the treadmill. You know what I mean? Yeah. If he's a, if he's already fast enough, he's like in the weight room. Right. So everything these guys do, every minute of their day is measured right but yet when it comes to shooting like you know, the shooting world's like oh fuck that that won't work it's fucking stupid
1: yeah well the video thing specifically is cool because you see it in these like i know a lot of guys that are uh like every year they go get their golf swing videotaped yeah. and then a coach is like here's like so you can see it as opposed to them just saying like hey you're holding this a little too high or whatever you can actually see oh yeah i am fucking that up yeah so that's that's a cool take on on why not in the shooting industry or why not
2: i would tell you this is most guys that come to my class or girls i'll videotape them we'll come back to watch the tape and i'll be like okay you ready and i'll go to hit play and they're like <laughs> and i'll be like what and then will be like go ahead and hit play i already know it's fucked up <laughs> you know what i mean and the truth is is like look the first time you see yourself shoot, right, you're gonna look like Barney Fife, right? Now your brain thinks you're you're you know twenty nine times. John time, Wick, yeah. yeah, John Wick, you know, yeah, Rob Latham, John yeah. Wick. This is and it's your brain. It should think you're the best motherfucker out there. It's your brain, right? The problem is, is like
0: get your ass. I'll
2: get your ass. <laughs> yeah, but the problem is, is like. We should be meeting in the middle, but the reality is we meet somewhere on the Barney Five side (laughs) because we've never seen ourselves shoot. We think we're badasses, And as soon as we take a video, we're like, oh, we suck. So, uh, yeah. So I take the video. I don't take videos
0: of sex anymore. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not Rob Latham. (laughs) <laughs> oh god. A Robbie Longshanks. <laughs> what depends on what we're watching. Peter North, I'm um, just nothing.
2: But yeah, the the video diagnostics look. Um also with the video is in the gun world, a lot of guys have ego. Mm-hmm. Right? And you know, the gun world is the ultimate in big ego at the same time it's the ultimate in play pretend because, you know, we're not really going to kill anybody today because guns kill people. So we're just going to play pretend and we're going to play pretend long enough that, you know, maybe someone might believe that this play pretend shit's going to work somewhere. Right. Right. So um, as we as we go down this play pretend road, no one could ever judge you. And this is what I always call the soft enemy concept. right? Right. To where hey, if we looked at this stuff on video, we were honest with ourselves, how these things pan out, right? With a little bit of experience, we could come up with a great solution, right? And not only could we come up with a great solution, but we could come up with a a repeatable winning solution for any situation we get in.
0: Let me ask you this. In your time in the unit, What was the uh, average distance of an engagement?
2: Oh, man, well inside 100 yards. Really? Yeah. Yeah.
0: So so it's comparable to what you would think in the civilian world it'll be?
2: No. I'd say it's a lot closer in the States. Yeah? Mm. Yeah, the average gunfight in the States, I think FBI.gov, I think is three three yards for gunfight. And I think average sniper shot is like 70 or something like that.
0: Well, um, well, as a sniper, what was your average? When um, you
2: deployed? Yeah. I would say snipers would average more than that. Right. Because you could be on an objective where you could do three to 400 yards one day. And the next day you could be in a city where you could be 70. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say if I had an average like unit snipers, I would say, you know, I would average them probably maybe 200 yards.
0: You know, we're sitting here looking at these long barrels and. Why do you need it? We're talking averaging 200 yards. You don't need that barrel.
2: No. Well, I would tell you this a police sniper in the United States mm-hmm. with an average distance of 74 yards, why aren't they using 556? Five, five, why, why are they using bolt guns still or red dots yeah
0: I, yeah i don't i don't i mean that's a good point could be a gas gun to get a faster follow-up shot yeah um yeah i don't know about 556 five, because i don't know about like glass or how how often that's a penetration yeah yeah so maybe a 30 cal but you could have a 12 inch gas gun yeah for sure 308 for sure
2: It'd be great
0: and you wouldn't have any accuracy issues for sure no no that short barrel stiff accurate mm-hmm. huh that's interesting you know, because this gun, I mean, it's really developed <coughs> probably based on <coughs> you guys being in the Hindu Kush. Yep. You know, and 1,600 meters.
2: Yep. I would say this is, I would say 600 yards was close for Afghanistan. Um,
0: but, I mean, I w- and that's a poke on a person. Yeah. Like, you can fuck a 600-yard shot up on yep. a person. I don't care how badass you think you are. Yeah. Get in a real situation. Not that I've been in... The Kush shooting people, but I've been in the mountains shooting people sized things and man, you ain't always prone. You ain't, no. al- you ain't always no. on a tripod. <laughs> you ain't always supported properly. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you can have some difficult shots. Yeah, for sure. Difficult shots, difficult wind. You know, you can have the sun in your face. You can have a target, not, you know, broadside. I mean,
2: yeah. I'll tell you, though, I think one of the most complicated things that I, I wouldn't say complicated, I'd say hardest things I've ever had to do is you sit on the side of the mountain for like a week, the assaulters fly in, right, and then after the landing happens the countdown starts and you got to shoot on one. I've been here for a fucking week and you're going to narrow me down to a one second window that I need to start shooting motherfuckers. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what it is, but that always seemed like that was one of all the more complex things, right? Or harder things to do only because like when I'm ready to shoot it, this could be easy to shoot. But when you're giving me the fucking countdown and dudes are converging on the target and I got like a one second window so, before I'm I mean, shooting. You into know, there's dudes.
0: yeah, there's all kinds of things that come into play. Like in my experience, it could be sun wind. you could have a cramp. You know, you could, I mean, there's just so many things you might not be, what you if know, your,
1: what if your target's not there anymore?
0: Well, I mean, that's one thing. But yeah. a lot of times it's like target can be broadside. You've got, you know, a 16, 18 inch target. All of a sudden, he's not, and you've got his head, yeah, which is a you know eight inch target, and yeah. ooh, that requires a lot more concentration. Yeah. I mean, you got to be better supported, you got to be more sure about your shot because that's kind of either you kill it or you miss right. sort of thing. It seems.
2: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, and I would also say this: one shot, one kill, bullshit, <laughs> <laughs> biggest fucking crock of shit ever ever uh, produced in the sniper world <laughs> I, bullshit
0: I, I tell you like that <laughs> that kudu video thomas where we take the one shot and it like backflips. it's like it's high fives all around it's high fives all around because it happens one out of 20 times yeah 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 like you just don't mm. no i mean i think it's whether it's a short bolt throw like this this msr that I mean, they had like ergonomic specialists design the bolt handle to make it faster. It's a six degree bolt throw. It's a great gun for faster follow up shots. The gun weighs like twenty pounds. Got a muzzle brake on it. Um, oh my god! Yeah, I mean, it's I, I don't know the number of shots in the average animal in Africa, but I would bet it's two and a half two, probably. Yeah,
1: that's probably accurate. And
0: yeah, and you can't have gas guns there. Right. So the bolt gun, you know, it could be 600 meters. You got to put two and a half shots in something. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, you don't know what happened. You, you fire that first shot. Sometimes they, they're they wounded and they stand there. Most of the time they run and they mm-hmm. hardly ever run to where you want them to run yeah. or they're not broadside.
1: That was like Nick talked about it in, in the Africa episode, but he shot a uh, wildebeest, started at 560. And the last shot he put on it was at 660. Up yeah. and down, and different elevation. Like, it's never going to go the way you want it oh, to it, go.
0: It's hard. I mean, that's one thing I've learned about, you know, hunting in Africa, especially in the mountains where the terrain's difficult. I put a shot on it. I don't care if my next shot is is up the keister. Yeah. That's where it's getting a bullet. Yeah. Like, wherever it I needs can to put it. Stop. One. Yeah. Af- after I put a shot, you know, hopefully into the vitals where, you know, I'll shoot when I have a good shot broadside or a hard quarter, you know, what whatever I got, but where I'm comfortable with the shot after that, it gets it wherever it gets it, wherever mm-hmm. I can put one in, man. That's yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Like you, you're sitting there for a week and then you got one second to take a shot. It's simple on the range. A lot of times. <laughs> oh yeah.
2: Well, I'll tell you what else is like, You know, they're flying in, right? You start aiming at the target, right? You get your aiming to where at least you could hold steady on the target or whatever, right? And then, like, you start aiming. You start watching the target because they're coming in. You're getting the radio calls. You know they're coming in, right? And then like you start aiming, (laughs) you know what I mean? And then they're like, well, they're 30 seconds out. So now I got to aim for the next 30 seconds. And then, you know, which is
0: like an hour. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It seems like it anyway. And then they're 10 seconds out. And then, you know, and then finally, by the time like they're like the countdown starts, you're like, yeah, like (laughs) hold it for for, for three more seconds, three more seconds. I got this. Uh,
0: It is interesting when you think about. Like your breathing, or just you know being supported properly with mm. like you know your bones on the ground or whatever you're being supported by, and ah uh, just relaxing. I mean, it's so hard. I mean, it's mm. I mean at least even with hunting and animals, it's like staying calm and staying relaxed is. is I mean, that's that to me is like half of making the shot. But yeah, in yeah. a situation like that, we have to wait. Yeah, because oh uh, oh, uh, not not a lot, but. Probably 10, 20% of my shots, because now I just hunt certain animals. Like, I, I hunt all the species. It doesn't matter to me. But, you know, I really look for mature animals or broken horned or skewed horns or just the oldest possible. And so there's a lot of hunting that goes into it. You know, like when you talk about, like, reconnaissance. So there's a lot of sitting in a valley, glassing, looking for something that, is old like I've shot all the stuff now, and that's what you go after. And so, okay, got this one animal, and like they don't get old on accident typically, yeah. you know. Yeah. And and then you gotta you know find it, try to get as close as you can. You gotta get set up. You gotta try to make a good shot, you know. And half the time, like oh, we want to get to this, you know, wood line, and there's some big rocks there. We can get set up on that, and you know and that's 150 meters and the animal 600 meters and we get about halfway there and you're fucking busted yeah (laughs) and so now like what can you shoot from in the next 10 seconds yeah that's what you got
1: well one thing i mean you we've talked about a little bit and you've talked about getting kind of when people ask well how what should i do to get spun up if i'm going to go to africa or or like this big extravagant hunt i'm going to pay a bunch of money i'm going to go do it and we talk about pick alternate like alternative shooting positions or whatever yeah. but one thing that i mean we just touched on it and we saw it in practice when we were over there is pick an alternate shooting position pick a weird shooting position on your flat range and then sit there for 15 minutes in position and start getting wobbled and once you start feeling fatigued wait another two minutes and then take the shot because like we yeah. saw it, we saw it with jose like we were shooting up on top and it's wide open and these animals can
0: see forever yeah and you're at six thousand 000 feet jose is right. not the most fit motherfucker in the he's world. he's on glass <laughs> about to
1: take a shot and this thing's standing there staring at us yeah and i'll try- turn and face you right and we're trying to get it to get a shot and you got to sit there for 12 13 14 minutes dicks in the dirt not moving because it's looking right at you and you don't want it to go in. we just chased it for three hours so and then you start getting the walls or whatever, and then you're more apt to just float around or whatever. Yeah, like-
0: you get worried. You got to get out of your head. You know, another way to do that is, you know, get to where you want to take a shot before you get set up, run in place for 10, 20 seconds. Right. Like, do that, pick up the gun, shoot within a couple seconds. Right. Yeah. Like, I, I think if you get comfortable, I mean, it's probably like anything else, like, make yourself comfortable in uncomfortable situations. Right. Well, that's probably like fucking that's probably real deep and poetic most of life, but Well, that's just all that,
2: training in general, right?
0: Yeah, like be willing to suffer more than the next yeah. guy.
2: Yeah. I, I would tell you this in like uh I just taught a six hundred yard class last weekend. I used to teach shooting from the kneeling one through six from the wow. kneeling, right? Yeah. I I eventually stopped and I'll tell you why. Is because most guys won't practice from the kneeling, mm. nor do they even want to take a kneeling shot. So they will be better and hit more targets from the standing one through six than they will the kneeling. Just <laughs> they <won't laughs> practice yeah, it. Because they won't do it, right? It hurts, it, it hurts to be on that knee, so they're done right now. They're, so uh, I stopped doing the kneeling in class because what I realized is... You will be worse at kneeling because you don't practice it as much. Oh, as much, Even even right. though it's a more stable position, or should be. Oh, right. certainly.
0: Yeah, you can get bone on bone right yeah, to the right. ground. Yeah, I I I don't know. I don't mind kneeling. Like I don't. I, I mean, I actually shoot a lot offhand. Like if we're within two hundred meters, sometimes three. Like I'll shoot offhand. Um, but most people aren't comfortable with that. But I, I like that better than some other things. But I think it's just a matter you got to go and practice. Yeah. You know, you take a deep breath, let it out, relax, squeeze that trigger, let it surprise you. you I know, think a lot try of people, to keep that wobble zone just yeah small yeah yeah and
1: I think a lot of people aren't necessarily... I think there's a two two ends of the spectrum where some people are willing. They'll just grab any piece of gear to add on that they can because they think it's going to give me the advantage. And then there are people that won't necessarily grab gear because they think, oh, it's too much shit. I don't want to have to mess around with it. But like there's a happy medium just having a rear bag or like you saw Jared with that game changer on the on the tripod, like just having something, some sort of support because people will be like, I got a bipod. That's good enough.
0: Yeah, I mean, you get to think that you have to shoot prone or you have to shoot on a bench. I never get to shoot on a bench in Africa. I shoot prone 10% of the time because normally the grass is too high or there's rocks. Shit sharp yeah 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 I mean you know that like yeah. going through all the sniper shit it's it's I mean an urban area, I don't know maybe you can set up better, but if you're out like in the field it, you know it, it's like ninety percent of the time something is fucking you from a prone shot just yeah. is yeah. so you have to adapt, so yeah yeah, being able to use that bag, put it on something like I, did I show you uh the um, videos of of Heidi shooting off the tripod no. with the bag? So, you know, 200 shots at 400, inside 400, she missed two shots. Yeah. And, y- you know, it's just, she'd never even shot a bolt gun, but she'd shot gas gun and pistol. Right. And, but she did not have an ego, you know, sh- woman. She's like, okay, teach me how to do this. I want to be good at it. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, here's what I know. Here are the basics, you know, and you, you spend an hour going through all the stuff and then she just starts shooting and. You know, she just like naturally doesn't really have a flint. She's shooting with a silencer and she shot um, off the bench in the cabin. She shot prone off the rock. She shot off the tripod with the game changer bag on top of it. She had never done that. Yeah. And then off the boulders on the range in different positions and just teaching her to support herself and then squeeze the trigger, breathe, squeeze the trigger. Yeah, fuck, she shoot as good as I could like within, you know, a few hours. Yeah. yeah and you know she's going to be able to kill anything inside of 400 meters
1: yeah it's crazy just like the it's such simple things simple points to build up decent marksmanship yeah and it literally comes down to points of contact like if you can get an extra point of contact just to support yourself you're exponentially uh you have an exponentially higher uh, chance of hitting what you're going to shoot and it's I think like it was cool to see when we went to Griffin and Howe and we did all that stuff, like watching dudes who do that professionally, like PRS stuff or whatever. Oh yeah. Just seeing their instinct, like instinctually the rest of us are gonna get down in a certain position. But then you see these guys and you're like, That looks fucking stupid. But they have six points of contact on whatever they're doing, like shooting off a hood guys not only squaring up but then getting themselves against the car and leaning over like just little shit and you're like fuck that guy's not missing like
0: yeah i mean just introduce as little as you can into the firearm right
1: yeah basically support the gun and then just touch Mm -hmm. the trigger
0: yeah yeah it's it's not i mean i don't know it's probably like a lot of things just like psyching yourself out like shooting you know three four five six hundred meters isn't hard right But, you know, it's all the stress, and then, you know, if you're not paying attention, you forget everything you've learned or been training, yeah, you can fuck it up real easy. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, a 600-meter shot with any of these, well, maybe not that, but, like, even this 14 half inch 308, like, it's not a difficult shot. Right. You know, unless you have some hellacious wind or some other circumstance. It's not a hard shot with that gun.
1: This seems to be, like, the perfect setup for, maybe not necessarily, like, Iraq, but... Afghanistan, it seems, or just, I mean, most places, this seems to be the perfect, uh, short enough, 308 gas gun, it's night, it's going to work, like, this seems to be the move, do you know anything about this? I do know a little about this particular gun, actually, (laughs) Uh, I would
2: agree with you, I (laughs) think, uh, look, when i was rocking a gun like this most guys when i was inside a house was like what kind of gun is that i'm like it's a 308 and and they're like no it's a 556 gun and i'd be like look at the magazine dude yeah. and i guy would be like oh damn oh cool right like right. well a nothing like this ever existed before then right but right. <coughs> b um you know, look, in Afghanistan, we wanted a rifle that could reach out and touch six to 700 meters reliably and easily. Look, uh, it's what Kevin was just saying. Inside of 600 yards, I would say with some minimal information, you could probably make a 600 yard shot uh, 85% of the time. Yeah. Now, yeah. 700 yards with a three oh eight, eight hundred 800 yards, instantly 50-50. Yeah, it's, 600 it's yards, super easy,
0: right? Like, Yeah, wind, <clears> wind <throat> is tough, you yeah. know, when you get out there.
2: Yeah, but um, for Afghanistan, this thing is exactly what we wanted. Now, I would say this rifle's still a little bit too heavy, right? It probably needs to be in the maybe under 10-pound range with a scope for a guy to be like truly effective and not smoked but um yeah these shorty 308s man in iraq or afghanistan this is what you want i mean think about this if you're an assaulter or a sniper in a unit squadron some of the things you're going to be asked to do on a nightly basis shoot from helicopters shoot people or vehicles from helicopters shoot inside of buildings People or other stuff from inside a building shoot outside of buildings once you take a building you got to hold it right you got to get to the building so shoot outside of buildings inside of buildings having said all of this. What I would say is the average distance you're going to shoot is probably going to be the 100 yard mark in Iraq, right? Maybe Afghanistan would be a lot farther because that ambush distance is 600 yards, which would make the average engagement mm. much farther, right? But uh, the shorty 308, I think, is the gun of choice. and I would also say is, isn't that what the Army's trying to go to right now with the
0: 68? Yeah, basically. Sort of. I, I, you know, I don't know. I'm kind of disappointed in that whole thing. Because, <laughs> you know, th- I mean, they're pumping the pressures, but you got to have this special ammo. It's very expensive. Uh, steel case head. Yeah, that's but like one guy who makes it. Yeah. But, um, you know, I mean, it's 300 blackout out of a short barrel kill is better than 5.56. 308 is way better than 300 blackout. 300 wind mag is way better than 308. 338 Lapua mag or 300 Norma is way better than 300 wind mag. So it comes to uh for, from my standpoint in you, you know what am I comfortable carrying being exhausted with, and shooting with, and I want something relatively lightweight and compact you know and, and with yep. that said, if I can have uh you know any of those calibers if I can have the next biggest one, it's great for killing like I love three hundred blackout three oh eight kills way better, and then three hundred wind Mag kills way better like yeah. Yeah, three a three oh eight gun that size. But you're right; that gun's just too heavy. Like that gun weighing six pounds, you know, without mag and scope, is is phenomenal. But you know, that's probably an eight pound gun, right? And two pounds it seems silly, but it's not in a gun. Mm -mm. That's not at all. Yeah,
2: I would say uh, as the money, sar major, and you probably know this as trying to work in CDD. Every meeting I ever had, the word penalty means weight. Yeah. Yeah. In every army development, every money, every everything I had to do <laughs> with development and money for the army, um, penalty was always weight. Yeah.
0: Most of it because reliability is just a no go. So, right.
2: Right. And then, you know, penalty will, that penalty weight will always, always, always. Be uh, a downside for the ground troop.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, I, I think more and more people are catching on to it. I, I agree. I, I mean, you know, it's like anything else you have. Where w- whether we're talking about a pistol, being able to carry a rifle, you know, if you got to have a makeshift shiv, it, it's like whatever you have with you is the best thing. And I'm much more likely to carry a gun if it's lighter and easier to manage.
2: Agree. I used to always tell my guys in Iraq,
0: a lot of guys get the uh,
2: (coughs) Black Hawk Down, what I would call the Black Hawk Down syndrome. They want to carry 15 magazines. Mm -hmm. They want to carry 13 frags. They want to carry... And I used to always tell my guys, I was like, look, your kit... Your body armor with everything in it, 55 pounds. No more than, right? Because you're not truly effective with more than 55 pounds on your body. Now, think about this. Think about proportionately what that would be for weight for a human being, right? A fift- I mean,
0: that's 50 probably 30% of the average unit guy.
2: Totally. That's exactly Good. my point. That's exactly yeah. where I was going. mm
0: Yeah, Yeah, because there's guys that, like, you know, you and your prime were, yeah, 250 pounds, and there's a bunch of dudes that weigh 135 pounds. Correct. Correct. So, because, I mean, I would have thought, I knew nothing about it when I started working with you guys, like, oh, they're probably all, like, pro football players. Well, 20%. Correct.
1: I would imagine, too, and I could completely be making this up, that even, uh, I'm speaking outside of, like, a low-vis, clandestine type thing. If you're going on, if you know you only have a small number of target sets a night or whatever, on this specific night, you're not going with 7 plus 1 mags and whatever. Like, are you going with 3 extra mags or 2 extra mags or whatever? Like,
0: Yeah, what do you generally carry? Uh, Let's say when you're carrying a 5.56 gun.
1: um, Okay, so
2: uh, depends on the mission. Yeah. Right. Uh, Offsets, helo offsets, Mm. long walk in, Right. We used to do this a ton. Uh, I wear boots. I will wear real boots, high top boots on the long walk. I wore low tops once, landed in a field. The field was flooded (laughs) uh, for irrigation to grow shit, and my... I lost a shoe. I had to walk <laughs> most of the night with one fucking shoe. I ended up just ditching the other shoe. I was like, fuck it. I walk with no shoes. So I was just in my army wool socks all fucking night. So, uh, helos, boots all night. Big boots, tie up, tight boots. Uh, now, if we were doing helos and walk-ins... Right. I would carry seven magazines that I could get to right now. I would start with two in my gun. And then now I could carry depending. Let's say I had eight mags. I might put two in my backpack Mm. that way. Like if I was on the run or whatever, I could take my backpack off and then I got two more. You know,
1: when you say two and gun, are you. Are you taping them together? Yeah, yeah.
2: I tape them together with a pencil and hundred mile an hour tape. Why? Yeah. I'm a lefty. It's the <laughs> lightest way to do it and yeah. still be effective. Um, so, um, okay, inside a Baghdad, in armored vehicles, in and around Baghdad, four mags on my kit, one in my gun, maybe maybe one or two double stacks in my kit. Why the vehicle's never more than 20 to 50 yards from us, we could go get all the magazines we ever needed, right? And then what we would do is we'd prepack bags. If we thought it was going to be a shit show of a night, we'd hit the breach point. As soon as we got to the breach point, we'd drop explosives, mags, frags, whatever we thought we needed because we would think... We ain't going back out to the trucks anytime soon. This could be bad for you. (laughs) So uh, we drop a lot of stuff at the breach point. But the reality is, is vehicles, I would carry less. Now, uh, longer missions than that, I would carry more than that. However... The longer missions, like in Afghanistan, where we go out for a week or whatever, I wouldn't carry a pistol. Sog guys didn't carry pistols in fucking Vietnam. Why? They carried more rifle magazines because the rifle does more damage. It's going to protect you better, right? So in Afghanistan, I didn't carry a pistol. I just carried a rifle and more mags. So depending on what we're doing would be depending on what my loadout would be for tonight. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's what I do too. You, do? <laughs> you were going to say that, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I was, was pretty tell sure. Mind, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, but yeah, I'm you pretty said sure anyway. So yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I was. I was
1: uh, it's like the royal wee. The
2: royal we. Yeah, is what I was right.
0: talking about. I just carry one spare mag.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, now, yeah, now is yeah extra extra mag. Hey, if if I
2: got a chance to go out with like dudes right now somewhere, like they're like, yeah, come on, retired old sergeant major, come tag <laughs> along, right? I wouldn't bring shit, and they'd be like, you don't want a gun? I'd be like, no, I'll be fine, son. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna
0: take your gun when you're shot. Yeah,
2: that's what you're thinking. I just pick them up. <laughs>
0: yeah, <clears throat> even even hunting, I always carry a spare mag. Yeah yeah well
2: even hunting i carry a pistol on my body
0: you do yeah my ph does otherwise maybe i wouldn't <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah well yeah. i
2: hunt a lot in south texas always
0: always south texas <laughs> <Mate>. <laughs> carry
2: a firearm on your person yeah
0: uh-oh what's wrong
2: have you ever had to do that have you ever had to pick up a gun that wasn't yours
0: yeah yeah because you didn't have a gun or something else happened Uh, man, bunch of stuff.
2: Like when I'd be out alone, I used to have to grab AKs all the time. Um, I'll tell you another thing we used to do is back in the mid nineties, your, your pager. Damn. You know what a pager is? I do. Yeah. You had one or you heard of it? No, I used
1: to have to page my dad when I was little.
2: So... Yeah, uh, you know this. Yeah, yeah. Pagers. Like this is non existent shit. Did you have a pager? Yeah, of course. Yeah, fuck who didn't, right? Yeah. Like so your pager goes off in the middle of the night, right? And you get the codes. So you're like, fuck. Yeah, shit six zero four two zero. So you you activate the phone call roster. So you call your first line in the chain of command and it's your boss and like, this is a really official secret phone call in the middle of the night of a guy that you probably talk to every fucking day that (laughs) this isn't really a secret phone call because you talk to this fucking guy every day. So you call him in the middle of the night and you're like, I just got the page. And he'd be like, we'll be by to pick you up in 15 minutes. Be out front.
1: Well, that's way different than ours. Ours was, don't take a piss. (laughs) (laughs) You're coming coming. (laughs) in. So, And it's like, uh,
2: okay, so, like, you go stand out on your porch, right? And, like, a van pulls up out front of your house. You jump in the van, right? And they bag your head and, like, stuff you in the van. And they drive all over. And you have no idea where you are, where you've been. Like, you're in the bottom of the van under a seat. And you're pretty sure, like... I might be under someone else, but I'm not sure. I think that is someone else. So there's obviously someone else here stuffed in the bottom of the van with me, maybe. I don't know. So the van stops. They grab you. They sit you in a seat. You hear the door open, right? And then they take your bag off, right? And, and you're like, okay, and they look down. And there's a kit bag at your feet of miscellaneous machine guns that you have no idea what the fuck they are. And there's miscellaneous magazines and bullets, and you got to put these three together in a moment's notice. And they're like, "There's this guy in this house. Go kill him." And you're like, "Uh, uh, uh, doesn't fit. Uh, magazine. No, 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 that one doesn't go in there, right?" And then like. Finally, you figure it out. You got to run in there with this fucking crazy sub gun you ain't never touched before and go in and dunce everybody. So, uh, yeah. Hey, fucking with guns you never touched before is the whole premise of what unit
1: guys do. Damn.